Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in Her Space. So if I'm feeling shame around this, then I'm going to judge the people to protect myself. I'm going to judge the people around me harshly and say that something is wrong with them Mm -hmm. as opposed to addressing my stuff, right? Yeah. That that's a really good point. I would even say that you might be so attached to what you've learned because now it's part of your identity. So when someone comes for you or they disagree. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're We're your your hosts, hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist. And Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. So our quote of the day, are you ready for it? Unlearn. That's it? Yep. (laughs) Unlearn. And that one word quote came to us from John Singleton at the end of the movie, Higher Learning. We took all this time to try to figure out, okay, what is our quote of the episode going to be? Because we we put a lot of time and energy into this to make sure that it's something on point. And we just couldn't really find anything that was just perfect. Yeah, we really spent too much time diving in, <laughs> trying to find an appropriate quote when this was in our face all along. I mean... Really, just that one word truly captures what we want to focus on, what we want to dive into for this particular episode. And before we dive into unlearning, we want to talk a bit about what it means to be open-minded and why that's so important. So what I want you to do, we're going to do a little activity. So I want you to close your eyes. Now, if you're driving or if you're doing something active, please don't do that. Don't close your eyes right now, okay? You do. You listen to this later and you close your eyes. But I want you to close your eyes and imagine yourself as a newborn baby. You have a loving family and they are eager to share with you all of the things they've learned in their life. And they want you to go farther than they have, but they're also giving you the best of what they have, whether it's knowledge, insight, lessons, experiences, all that good stuff. And let's say that in this family, you grow up and there are two things that stand out to you in regards to what you learn. Now, the first is in your household, instead of saying fart, you all say pass gas. You are programmed, you are taught that fart is a bad word. Okay. Like that's, you just don't say it. Pass gas is the word. The second thing you're taught is that green is actually yellow. So those are two things that stand out to you. And let's say you grow up, you go to school, you go off to college, and now you are an adult. What do you think is going to happen when you are out with your friends, 
and someone, what do they say, lets it rip. And someone's like, oh my gosh, you farted. What do you think is going to go through your mind when you hear that? As I'm, as I was trying to engage in the exercise <laughs> as you were doing this, and I was like, oh, well, then there's a few things that's going to go through my mind. I'm going to look at my friends and I'm going to be like, what kind of crude people are you saying fart when I was taught to pass gas? So that automatically right there is me judging mm-hmm. my friends, right? Because of how I was raised. Mm-hmm. And then chances are my friends may clown me because I'm not saying fart. I'm saying pass gas. And so, <laughs> and so then because I'm being clowned, that may cause me to stop and reflect. And then I may turn around and pass judgment on my family mm-hmm. for raising me differently. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And when you think about the green is actually yellow situation, that's like a lie that you were taught, right? Like you were raised, they, but here's the thing. Let's say that your family member was like, I don't know, they had an issue with seeing colors the right way, right? Or they just literally, they wanted to teach it to you that way. That's the best they knew. That's what they thought. When you finally learn that green is actually green and yellow is yellow, you're probably still going to have some kind of emotional connection to the belief that green is yellow, even though it's not, right? Right. So fun fact for you, I was the person that grew up in a household where we were very, I guess you could say like politically correct or like respectful with our language, especially in public. So we didn't say fart in my family. And I swear to you, Dom, even though now I'm an adult and like I will say it and friends say it, for the longest time, when people would say it, I was just like, y'all don't have no damn home training. What's going on? See? Like, I just thought it was so trifling. I'm like, why would you say that? Like, oh, my God. And uh, I learned that stupid was a bad word. Like, there were certain things I just was raised to believe. And that was my belief system. I clung to it. And I was like, this is how I was raised. My parents, they taught me this. So it's right. And that's what I believed. Now, when it comes to being open-minded, being open-minded to me, it just means You being open to hearing other perspectives, considering other perspectives, and not necessarily disregarding what you've learned and what you believe, but just being open to something else, right? Like actually being able to sit, hear someone out, hear their perspective, even understand where they're coming from, whether or not you agree with it. How long did it take you to get to that space, though, of being open-minded? Because my guess is, going back to what I said my initial reaction would be if that would have been me, is there would have been some judgment initially, right? Like you're you're judging the people around you because typically what happens is when we're confronted with information that's contradictory to the way we've been raised, us judging other people or judging our family is a protective mechanism for ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Because there may be some some shame around, oh, my family raised me this way. So if I'm feeling shame around this, then I'm going to judge the people to protect myself. I'm going to judge the people around me harshly and say that something is wrong with them Mm -hmm. as opposed to addressing my stuff, right? Yeah. 
that that's a really good point. I would even say that you might be so attached to what you've learned because now it's part of your identity. So when someone comes for you or they disagree, you're it's not just them saying, no, 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 fart is okay. It's like, no, they're coming at your identity and where you come from and who you come from. And that's like a huge thing, right? And so to protect that identity. To protect that identity. You lash out with judgment, yeah. right? So I'm it to protect myself. I'm I've got to be right, so that means you have to be wrong. Yeah. And then it's all, and then and so it just gets it can get so deep before a person can stop and unlearn and be open minded. Yes, I would say to go back to your question, I would say for me it took a lot of introspection and just self-awareness. So me just being, me asking myself difficult questions and me just being open to ponder these questions and not and not being attached to an outcome or, or an answer. So just saying to myself, there were times that I was super judgmental though. And I was like, oh my God, they're over here saying, Fart, that is so, they don't have no class. Like what's going on? But then as I began to just interact with people and realize that's actually a very common word that a lot of people use. Like just yep. because we didn't use it in my household doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. And it was very eye-opening because it made me think about what are some of the other things that I may have been taught or that I have learned that either may not be correct or may have differing perspectives or just may not be what I thought it was. And then when you think about it too, Dom, I was reading this article on fs.blog. The author said something interesting about being open-minded and said that oftentimes people that are closed-minded, it's so dangerous because they think that they're open-minded. What they said was, before you smugly slap an open-minded sticker on your chest, consider this. Closed-minded people would never consider that they could actually be closed-minded. In fact, their perceived open-mindedness is what's so dangerous. And that just automatically makes me think about racists Mm -hmm. and people that, I mean, because I get it from a certain perspective. Like if you were raised in a family, like let's just say all white family, you never interacted with black people. You see these images people post online or that are in the media We know the media is not necessarily for black people and promoting us in a positive manner. That's all you grow up with. It's kind of like I get that you would be racist because of your environment. Now, it's our responsibility to question what we were raised with and not just believe everything because our family did the best they could with what they know and what they were handed down. So, again, I ain't condoning racist now, but I'm saying I, I can understand how someone can get to that point based on their upbringing what they've learned. However, as an adult, it's now your responsibility to get curious and figure out what else is out there, what's wrong with what I've learned, what's right with it, and how can I be open-minded to explore other perspectives, right? When, As you say that, I think about like how you, so you gave the example, like you gave a very clear example that we could see and understand, mm-hmm. right, of where someone is closed-minded who thinks they're open-minded. Mm-hmm. That's a very easy example. But I would challenge all of us to think of times when we have been closed-minded ourselves mm-hmm. because we all do it. So think about how many times you might have been resistant to something changing, mm-hmm. right? So let's say that you're at work and Your boss says, okay, Terry, we're changing the office hours. Instead of us opening at 9, we're opening at 8. 
And your initial reaction is, hell no. Our The traditional workday is nine to five. This starting at eight, that's some bullshit, right? That's your immediate response. Because it's different from what you're used to. Mm-hmm. You automatically shutting that down is being closed-minded. Yep. And so we do that, all of us. It doesn't take much for us to truly engage in that. And so as I'm hearing this quote, for me, it makes me want to stop and pause and truly think about those times when I when I thought that I was being open-minded and I really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Or those times when someone was presenting something to me that was outside of my typical worldview, and I immediately went to, well, that's dumb, yeah. or that doesn't make any sense. That that's I wouldn't operate that way. Like I don't understand how people operate that way. And that was me being closed-minded. And so, lady, as you're listening, I want you to remember that. All of us have had moments when we've been closed-minded. The point of this episode with this unlearning is an opportunity for us to kind of reflect on those times when we've been given information and we've shut it down. This is an opportunity for us to pause and truly be open to hearing something different. We don't have to walk away agreeing with it. We just need to be open to hearing something outside of what we are used to. So questions like, what was I taught about religion that maybe just doesn't resonate with me today, right? Or that I just want to explore. What questions do I have? What was I taught about my body? What was I taught about finances? What was I taught about relationships? What was I taught about race? Like all of these different elements and components of life that we that we were taught things about right we we got messaging about these different mm-hmm. things and it's like sometimes you got to check in with yourself and say what do i believe about this what do i believe to be true what am i questioning why do i believe this i mean these are good questions to ask but i do want to note that when you do begin to question the status quo and what you've always sort of learned and what you know everyone around you has sort of um promoted you may face some obstacles. And I want to share a story with you, Dom, that I think really has the potential to really highlight like what could happen when you do question, like, what the the fuck's going on here? What's going on up here, y'all? I have questions. So years ago, I had embarked on this business venture. I think I was in college at the time. And a mentor introduced me to this company, and I was really excited. And I heard that I could get a lot of money. And I later found out it was a pyramid scheme, which many of us have heard about, but it sounded so amazing. And I was young and I was green and I was like, let's do it. So I remember one day me and some of the other business people that were like part of this, uh, this team, I guess you could say, we were like out going to different events and getting motivated and inspired. We were doing like these early morning conference calls. And so we went to this event. You're like, yep, I remember. (laughs) I remember those days. (laughs) So we went to this person's house. They lived in this really big house and we were all there. He was like, yeah, y'all I'm making this much money and I'm doing this. and I'm getting excited. I'm like, okay, you're making this money. And so 
He asked if we had questions. And so I'm in the room with my mentors and these other business people. I'm probably the youngest person in the room. So I raised my hand. I'm like, yes. I'm like, so this sounds so amazing. It sounds great. Is there any way that you can like show us proof? Because I would love to see proof of like, do you have a, I mean, I want to see the proof. The proof is in the pudding. Do you have a statement or something that says that this is the money that you were making? Like, I would love to see that. Because in my mind, I'm like, this is common sense. I want to see if this is true before I invest more. Girl, in that moment, my mentor got so upset. So the guy, he kind of like nervously like responded. I can't remember what he said, but my mentor, she was a lot older and she snapped. Like she snapped on me in front of everyone. I was so embarrassed because I'm like, I'm this young person just trying to learn and do this stuff. And she really shamed me for asking those questions. And she's like, you should trust us. Like we came here and, you know, we're your you know, mentors and, you know, that's just disrespectful. And in that moment, I felt really bad and I felt a lot of shame around that. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I didn't do anything wrong. I wanted to give proof that before I signed up for something, before I invested in this opportunity, I wanted to know that I would get a return on my investment. I wanted to see that someone else did this. And what it made me think about was my mentor has done so much for me in my life, like has given me so many gems, so many lessons. I still love that mentor to this day. And at the same time, I realize that there's a limitation or a different perspective that that mentor has that I just won't adopt. We don't got a beef. We don't have to have an issue. But if anyone is ever going to shame you or be upset with you for asking questions about something that relates to your future or something that you're just curious about, that should raise a red flag. As you were saying that, immediately what came up for me was this phrase that I remember constantly hearing as a kid, do as I say, not as I do. And that phrase usually came up when, as a child, I was asking questions or another child around me was asking questions about what the adults were doing, right? So if the adult said, eat with a knife and fork, and then you look over and the adult is eating with a spoon, eating the same meal that they just told you to eat with a knife and fork, and they're eating it with a spoon, and you ask, well, why are you eating with a spoon and you told me to eat with a knife and fork? That question makes sense to me. As a child, you want to understand why is this, why is your behavior different from what you're telling me? Like, is there something that I'm missing? Is there something that I need to be learning? And when you tell me to not question. And then shame me for questioning. There's like two components. Like don't question and I'm ashamed you and embarrass you because you questioned. It's like, damn. So totally shutting you down. Mm-hmm. What that does is that squashes. Eventually you get conditioned to not question anything. Exactly. And then you end up in a space as an adult where you become a follower. Mm-hmm. Just blindly following. Blindly. That is the key word blindly right there. Following. Blindly. Yeah. It makes me really feel bad for people who are afraid to question because of those traumatic experiences because that was embarrassing as shit girl I'm like I'm in front of all these people I will say that business the people that were doing that that I know of they're no longer doing the business like it's not a successful venture and it's just like damn that really could have that really could have shut me down from questioning anything. I could have just become a whole different person, you know, from that experience. And it makes me think about what are the other myths 
that we've learned in our childhood that are not true. Because some of these we've all heard and you're going to be like, wait, I thought that was true. So Google it, do your research. Okay. Don't just believe what we say. Still do your research, right? Regardless of what anyone's telling you, you got to do your own research. The first I remember hearing is reading in the dark will ruin your eyes. All the time. My mom used to say that. Now I really want to, I want to, ch- I heard that too, right? Like turn on the light when you're reading. So like I do, cause I do still hear people say, okay, well, when you're watching television mm-hmm. or when you're working on the computer that you should have light on. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's one that I actually kind of want to check with an optometrist or an ophthalmologist yeah. to find out. Now I know Terry, like, <laughs> you know, you did your research, like yeah. I know. Yep. So what did you, what did the Optometrist or Ophthalmologist Association say? Yes. So there's an article on cheapism.com. It's a blog. And it says that according to eye doctors at Harvard, reading in dim light won't cause any ongoing medical condition. It could tire your eyes and cause strain, which could mean a bit of a headache. So it's probably not a good idea to read with the lights off, but it will not ruin your vision is what it's saying. So we've been told these like very dramatic myths where it's like a lot of it is out of fear. You know, it's like, don't do that because it'll ruin your eyes. You know, and she's like, oh, my God, OK, I'm not going to do it. You know. Yeah. What else? Okay. Very dumb. <laughs> so, you know, OK. If you crack your knuckles, then you will get arthritis. Mm-hmm. I don't crack my knuckles. I don't think it doesn't have anything to do with me having a fear of getting arthritis. I just don't like the sound. And I have an issue with like trying to do anything that might potentially inflict pain on myself. Mm -hmm. So that's like my own issue. But when I, but hearing that, like, all right, what did your research tell us? (laughs) (laughs) Cracking knuckles. (laughs) Recent studies show that pulling or twisting joints create space between the bones, and that expansion causes negative pressure to feel with the, I'm not even going to try to say this word, but some kind of fluid, (laughs) because I'm going to butcher that, fluid that keeps bones from rubbing together. So the crack that we hear is actually the fluid filling the new space. So, but I, girl, the thing is, I heard that so much growing up. It's like when you hear it over and over, I'm like, oh no, I'm definitely getting arthritis because I crack my knuckles all the time. Right. And it's like, that's not even true. But you, we believe it so much because that's what we were taught. It's like literally programming, you know? The programming is real. (laughs) The programming is real. Oh. All right, Dom, let's see. We also have, oh, this is a fun one. Cause I used to actually count and track this one. Like, oh, I got seven more years. Swallowed gum takes seven years to digest. That is not true, y'all. Pause. Okay? Pause. So, like, you would keep track. Oh. So, like, you would, like, mark on the calendar, today I swallowed a piece of gum. Today, 1997, uh, November 1st, 1997, I swallowed a piece of gum. So, wait. So, did you check <laughs> the calendar more. back? So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I did it on the calendar. I wouldn't be surprised because I was a very strange kid. But I did make a mental note. And I was like, oh, damn. Like, I remember vividly a few times where I swallowed gum. And I was like, oh, shit. I got seven more years until my stomach is empty. All right. I'm going to try to get an empty stomach. Like, I know. I know. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> okay. It's crazy. Okay. Yes. That's not true. Okay. Um, what else do we have? Cross eyes will get stuck that way. Yep. So, like, if you are constantly crossing your eyes, your eyes will stay that way. Mm-hmm. Heard that one a lot. I mean, yeah, no, that's clearly not real. <laughs> but when you hear it enough, it's so silly. But you're like, 
Oh yeah, that makes fuck. That makes sense. Okay, I get it. It's like how right. houseway, right, right, <laughs> or rolling your eyes. Your eyes are gonna roll to the back mm-hmm. of your head one day. My sisters and I are the queens <laughs> of like eye rolling, and so I. Your eyes should be back there. They're not basically right. okay. Right, I got right? you. I got you. Like they should have been stuck, but they're not. And when you think about why we were told these things, I'm like, why? I mean, I'm sure that it kind of traveled through generations at one point, but it's like, where did this even come from? And I feel like a lot of it comes from uh, the desire to really fear. Like a lot of it's fear-based. Mm-hmm. So the desire to control, to potentially manipulate sometimes, um, also to try to encourage us to do the best that we can for ourselves. So maybe it's like, I don't know. I don't want you to read in the dark because it just doesn't seem like a good thing to do. So we'll just say that it ruins your eyes because I don't want you to do it. Right. Right. Some of it is passed down Mm -hmm. from generations. Right. So there are some things that some behaviors that we were taught as kids that were passed down for our protection. Mm -hmm. Right. And at the time when those phrases or those statements were originally said, Life was different, right? Mm-hmm. And so if if life was different or as life continues to evolve, then that means that some of these phrases and some of these ways of being should also evolve. Ooh, you got to say that one more time for the people in the back. That was good. For the people in the way the back. way back. As our lives, as generations evolve, how we address things needs to evolve as well. I think about some of the more harmful statements that we have been told or messages that we received. And and I say harmful because some of those things caused physical and psychological damage to us. And for a lot of us, it's going to take years of having to unlearn and deprogram some of the negative messaging that we received so in order to get to a space where we're living a healthy life. The first one that I think of is about masturbation. What messaging, T, what messaging did you receive around masturbation? I've always learned that masturbation is bad. You shouldn't do it. It's nasty. Don't touch yourself. Ooh, like icky, just just gross and nasty. That's what I was taught. And for a long time, I mean, I didn't do it because I was like, oh no, this is like there's so much shame. It's not enjoy. This is just disgusting. Like, why would you even do that? And I remember a time in my life when I was in it was when I was in grad school, and I had just I like just started having sex around that time. Or like a little, maybe like a year or so before. And I was in a new place and I was like, okay, well, now that I done did the do, I'm like, you know, I want to do, I want to have sex more, but I don't want to get my body count up. So I guess I could consider masturbation, but it's bad. I shouldn't do this. It's wrong. And there is so much negative messaging in all of what you were Mm -hmm. saying. So like in that whole statement of what you said, so that masturbation is wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Like I remember taking Catholic sexual ethics class and it was basically teaching us that 
sex was solely for the purpose of procreation. So even married couples aren't necessarily having sex for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, maybe you may have, maybe sex may come, uh, maybe pleasure may come from sex, but sex was for procreation, right? And then also that masturbation was an absolute no-no, mm-hmm. no matter what your gender identity. But also within that, what you were saying, you said, oh, we, I'll masturbate to keep my body count low. Mm-hmm. So then there, so even within that, there's messaging around how many people is it okay for you to have sex with? Mm-hmm. And that's harmful in and of itself. Yeah. I didn't, the thing is, if we were to have this conversation, I want to say like seven years ago, which is around the time where I was in this sort of space in life, I just started my blog. I was faced with this dilemma where it's like, damn, do I meet someone new and sleep with them, even though we're not married? So I'm having premarital sex, which isn't good. Or do I masturbate when I have sexual desires, right? Because we're all human beings. It is what it is. And so I remember, (laughs) ooh, girl, having a little fling. And I was just like, I regretted it so bad afterward. And I was like, God damn it. If I would have been comfortable enough to explore masturbation, I could have just, it could have just been me and me and not inviting someone else in. And so for me, it was just a great learning moment of, you know, there's no judgment around. Even what you said about the, you know, what you learned in Catholic school, I'm going to be honest. In my mind, the first thought was, oh my gosh, that sounds so silly. But then it's like, at the same time, that's someone's belief. That's someone's perspective. And they were taught that. So I want to be mindful that we're not like judging other people as well. So I had to check myself like, yeah, it might seem silly to me, but guess what? Someone else might think that the whole fart past gas thing is silly. So it's like, it literally all boils down to what we were learned, what we learned growing up and how we're evolving with these thought processes. Right. And I think the thing too is, as you were talking about, okay, well, you had this fling and you could have, you had the choice of like, maybe if you would have been more comfortable with masturbation, maybe you wouldn't have had the fling because you could have been masturbating. For sure. But another way to look at that is maybe you could have had a more fulfilling fling if you took masturbation into that relationship, mm, right? That's a good one. So... And took it into that relationship in terms of saying, okay, well, since I masturbate, I know what it takes to please me. So I can go into this fling with the mindset of, well, this is what I need to please me. And if this truly is just a fling, here's what you got to do to get me off, Mm -hmm. homie. And it could have been an amazing fling. That's a really good point. Yes, that's a really good point. And I didn't realize back then how I think necessary it is for us to explore our bodies. I know that we've been taught that it's nasty and it's shameful, but it's like, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, I've always, I always used to hear people say, if you don't know how to please yourself, how are you going to tell someone else? Because we're all so different. And I'm like, that's a really good point. Like if you're not understanding, okay, where, where are my points? You know, what makes me feel really good? It's going to be difficult to share that with someone else so that you are pleasured. So Yes, that is the first one. The second one, Dom, I would say is just in general, this whole conversation around my body, like my body is not my own. And the messages I got that really communicated that to me were things like, I brought you into this world, I could take you out. That was like, Mm -hmm. oh, damn, like I am not my own. Like I am my parents' property, you know? And it's like, oh, no, that's really not how that works. And I think that there's a shift in society now where we are 
questioning a lot of the problematic things that we've learned. We like the society as a whole, I think, is unlearning, and we're realizing yes. that, yo, a lot of the shit that we grew up with, the shit just ain't right. Like, yes, we may have grown up this way. Some of the stuff I know for us in particular, people of color and black people, we know how to laugh at our trauma. But sometimes yes. that shit really ain't funny. And it's like, it's really problematic and it's not good, you know? And so I think about statements like that and how I didn't really have ownership over my being because I didn't know that I could, you know? As you say that, like, I was trying to, like, think about, like, other examples of how our bodies are not particularly young girls, how we are taught that our bodies are not our own. And I think that it goes a lot deeper in terms of, you know, when we've touched on this in previous episodes about hugging people, mm -hmm. right? How you're forced to hug adults even if that's not something that you feel comfortable with. Like as a kid, like you're told, oh, go go hug Nana. Mm -hmm. I don't like that woman. Yeah. Why do I got <laughs> to hug her? Or go now, hug Uncle Tommy. Right. Like, and we know that Uncle Tommy is... Yes. A pervert. A pervert, okay. yes. And, and so then I also think about like our clothing choices and how our bodies get policed and mm -hmm. we tell young girls about dressing a certain way so that they don't look older or that they don't entice men and that's a whole nother episode yeah, yeah. about like how we police women and what and young girls mm -hmm. in terms of what they wear yeah. but the, but what it boils down to is this messaging of your body truly isn't your own. Mm -hmm. And at what point do you get to feel like your body really is yours? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. It makes me think about the conversation that everyone's talking about now with T.I. and his daughter. Dom, you want to give us a rundown on what exactly is going down with that? Whew. Okay. <laughs> I am thoroughly disappointed in T.I. Um, in terms of this hymen testing that he claims he has with the gynecologist um, that the gynecologist performs on his 18-year-old daughter. I just want to be clear that the World Health Organization has said that this Virginity testing, as it sometimes may be called, has no scientific or clinical basis behind it at all. Mm -hmm. Okay? Say that one more time because I know that there are a lot of people out there that still believe that you can tell a woman or a young girl's virginity by doing a hymen test. Mm -hmm. Again, the World Health Organization has pointed out that this virginity testing or hymen checking is a violation of human rights and that it is unethical for doctors or any healthcare professional to perform these tests. Now, with that said, I know that, you know, I've read some articles recently where they have women who share 
the trauma that is caused by these tests. And so this quote unquote virginity testing, what it really boils down to is trying to control a woman's body. Mm -hmm. And I think it gets back to this messaging that we received as kids that a woman's body, you can, you can look at her hymen and tell whether or not she's a virgin and that her virginity is a prize to be won. Again, reinforcing this notion that her body is not hers. Mm -hmm. And as we are moving towards unlearning some of the harmful, physically and psychologically harmful ways of existing, I think that this is one of the major ones that we really, really, truly need to unlearn. Yeah, Don, I mean, I think you're right. I, when I first heard this story break, believe it or not, I wasn't super surprised because th this is a conversation I heard in my household growing up where it was kind of like a, yeah, if we suspect that something's going on, like this may happen. I've heard that happen to other people. Um, it never happened to me. But when I think about it, then someone doing that then compared to now, how sensitive we are as a society and how we are. Um, and sensitive, not in a bad way, but just sensitive to the things that need to be reevaluated and right. unlearning. It's like, oh, yeah, that's mm, this is not the time to be, you know, sharing that. But I think back in the day, if someone were to share this, it wouldn't have been a big deal at all because of the perspective and where people were mentally. Right. And I think this goes back to what we were saying in the beginning, that mm -hmm. as the generations evolve, how we operate truly does need to evolve. And some of these messages and phrasing and ways of being that we were taught that may have served people well two, three generations ago are not serving us well now. Yeah, it's all about unlearning, becoming your best self, and just being open-minded and just, just being curious, right? When you think about things, anything in particular that you've unlearned, does anything come to mind for you, Dom, around like your life and what you may have, I guess, not altered, but... I think continues to come up for me is um, being open-minded and unlearning the messaging that I've been taught about sex and sexuality and and body positivity in general and so just thinking about cons what consent looks like and we'll have a whole nother episode where we talk about like what consent really looks like today on the heels of the me too movement um but just in general being open to what what your body is capable of and what your body is there for and what and what relationships look like. Like I know that was a lot. No, that's but, powerful. But I think it's just I've just been really trying to be more open to a lot of things, whether it's something that I'm trying to do for myself or hearing other people's experiences. That's a really, really powerful one. I think that, now real quick, don't get it twisted, okay? 
I am blackity black black, which means that I love all things black. I love my people. I love myself, black power, black excellence, all that good stuff. Um, but for me, I'm not even going to say but because I always hear that when you say but it negates everything else. So I'm like, not a but, but and, mm-hmm. right? I'll say and. I feel it being great growing up, right? The household I grew up in, it was like, you don't trust nobody. Black people support everything black, but you don't trust anybody else. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I can get with that, right? You don't trust any other races. And I'm sure other races, they're raised the same way. It's like, you don't trust black people. I'm sure everyone hears that one because that's just like what the world has been programmed to believe. But what I'll say I've learned um, is that up until this point in my journey, I've interacted with some, I want to say allies that are not black, that will support and go hard for black people. And I've also met black people, whereas baby, they say what? All skin Skin folk folk and kin folk. And I've learned that. So now, instead of just saying, oh, it's, I'm still rooting for everybody black. And I'm rooting for all of the, I want to say, good spirited people, like people that want to do well by black people in the human Mm -hmm. race. It's not Mm -hmm. just a skin thing, right? It's more about what is what are your intentions? What are you doing in the world? So that for me is a huge shift because if you look at it from a superficial standpoint, it's like, okay, I'm just gonna go, you know, check off all the black people that are like running for this you know, office here, or I'm gonna do this. But oftentimes when we do that out of symbolism and we don't really see what is this person, what is their agenda, right? Are they doing anything for the black community specifically? Things like that, then it's like Oh, okay. It's a different story. So I think for me, it's being more focused on the spirit of a person and a being instead of just, oh, that's black. This is white. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. Unlearn. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health. But it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast or check out our website at herspacepodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I know that everything is working out for my good, even when things don't go as planned. We'll see you next week, lady.